I'm Kat. And I'm Ash. And this is Page Rage. You're no On this episode, we're going to discuss our Rage of the Week, which is the Duke and I versus the first season of Bridgerton. There may be a few unkind words about why The Handmaid's Tale continues to do Janine so dirty. So if you want to avoid spoilers or you haven't finished the season, this is definitely not the show for you. So our book Rage of the Week, obviously Bridgerton's, we're ready for the next season to come out. So let's go over the first season on what we loved and what we hated to be fair like i hated some things yeah there were definitely some things we hated and raged about and hence the birth of this podcast because we figured if we're sitting here hating things that they did to our favorite books when they made it into shows then there's probably others out there who feel very same very same really actually very same Okay, for those of you who have not read the series and are okay with spoilers, I will give you a quick rundown of the book. All right, so this is the 1800s in London. Think Pride and Prejudice time. We're going with it. So there's a lady who has eight kids, like a second apart, and she names them an ABC order. So this story is about... I mean, let's be real, though. I would, too, because that's a lot of children in a very small time frame, and I wouldn't remember them either. Like, do you think she ever just started with, like, A, come here, C. Who is C? Who is C? Where are you? Oh, Colin, right. Come here, Colin. Like, that would be... I'm one of three, and I know my mom called me by my brother's name a million times and went down the whole list, so I can't even imagine her yelling at her kids. She's got to go through eight... That's a lot. That's a lot. I, I'm one of two, and we're 22 years apart, and it would still be Anne and like any pet name that was currently around my stepfather, and then we'd finally get to Ashley. So I can't imagine actual humans like getting through all that plus pets. I mean, God love her. Yeah. I mean, props to her. And she does a great job in all the books. I mean, she's a good mom. She's written as a great she mom. Does. So I do love it. Violet is awesome. Yes. Okay. So. Stories about the eldest daughter, Daphne, and a hot duke with daddy issues. Severe daddy issues. So, story basically goes, um, Daphne is in season, which means she's introduced to society. If you're really into historical fiction, that's a big thing in London. All girls got introduced into season and then promptly married off as quick as they could, basically. Um, I mean, and when you have 800 siblings, like, yes, like, let's marry off everybody as quickly as possible to the richest humans we can possibly find. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. Yeah. And with three older brothers, no, man, like she had it rough going in. She had it rough going in. So (sighs) she gets friend zoned quite often. So her issue is she can't find a guy that doesn't like her romantically. They just want her friend zoned completely. So, insert her brother's best friend, the Duke, with daddy issues. So, they work out a deal between the two where he hates people, which, you know, same. I also hate people. And (laughs) he trades her attention to get all the interested moms off his back because they're flocking to him like, Beast to honey, going crazy because he's an eligible Duke. He's hot. He's the next big thing. 
He's like the bachelor on like, you know. He's the, <laughs> he is. He's the richest dude in the area at the time. He's also young, which does not happen. It's usually very old and rich or very young with nothing going on or they're waiting on people to die off to get a title. But to be that young and that wealthy at the same time, I mean, that was truly, you're right. He was the bachelor at that time. Yeah. Handing out roses left and right. Oh, yeah. So he's using her to get keep the moms away from him and she's using him to basically get out of the friend zone because i mean like when a guy sees you with the most desirable guy all guys want you because they think you got something so they start this thing and they make this pact and then as typical romance fashion love starts to blossom now let's switch it over to netflix Yeah, I mean, I think after the year that we had last year, well, I personally had been counting down the Bridgerton series. I mean, how long was I talking about it? I know I you really were hardcore countdown. So excited! I think all of the views on their like Netflix page for probably the first seven months before it was actually announced were me. Just like you said, it was going to happen. When is it going to be a thing? I was so excited. We knew Shonda Rhimes was on board. I mean, truly, she can really do no wrong. So I knew it was in good hands. I was just like, when, when? So I think it was perfect timing, honestly. So as most of you should know at this point, it came out on Netflix in December. came out on Christmas, actually, which was a perfect gift. Mm -hmm. I could not have been happier. I think that's all I did for Christmas weekend was, you know, unwrap presents and then watch as Simon unwrapped himself. But, you know, I think we all did. I think that's what... I think we all did. It was, he's a beautiful man. It was uh. a beautiful cast. It was, it was just perfect timing. Um, but across the board, it really was the most watched se- series on Netflix. It was number one across 76 countries. So, I mean, way to go, Shonda. It was perfect timing with COVID. I'm glad that they were able to wrap all that up before uh, COVID really hit because, I mean, truly, all the stars aligned and Bridgerton was born. And I, I don't think I have any issues with the cast. Like, I kind of liked everybody. I thought they kind of fit, in my personal opinion. The all 18 kids. And then the mom, I thought, did a great job. I mean, the Duke, come on. Like, <laughs> he's, he's beautiful. beautiful. We beautiful. all know it. Yeah, We all know it. He knows it. That's all anybody <laughs> talked about for several months. He knows it. We all know it. I love that he was briefly in Harry Potter. I mean, as a Harry Potter fan, that was, you know, a fun little nod as well. Oh, anybody who loves Harry Potter is great in my book automatically. He was just perfect. (laughs) However, my issue, I have a couple big issues, a couple big rages. Let's start with the queen. The queen, not in the books. Why would the queen be in the book? Not at all. Not even a little bit. Because she has literally nothing to do with London society, she is so far above it. Why is she involved in the? I, I, I just, I can't, I can't with her. And and to me, her whole storyline was really depressing. I was like, this is really sad. I was like, the poor king, and I felt, I felt real bad for her. But at the same time, what is the queen doing with some lowly, lowly society members? Like they're not even lords, and like, come on. I mean, really, they were just all her puppets for entertainment because it was kind of giving me some Marie Antoinette vibes where she was just like, you know, everyone eat cake and that whole jazz. And she was just so rich and bored and, 
you know, all of their poultry little drama was really her Bravo. Like, let's be real. This was Bravo for her. It was Bravo TV happening live, her little puppets that she could pull on strings. But then, like you said, they kind of showed another side of her. They showed how she was dealing with her husband, who she actually really loved. They did have a relationship and Mm -hmm. him just losing his actual mind and how that was affecting her. So you, I almost thought she was going to be one way. And then they kind of show that she does have, you know, quite a few layers. I mean, like we all do, she has the faces she puts out to society and, and who she really is. But at the same time, I don't know that her character was super, super necessary. I mean, do you feel like they put it, they put her in the show for a specific reason? Or do you feel like they put her in the show for the spinoff? That's my, that's my question. Well, they said in the show, did they say in the show or did they? Yeah, she did say she made like a comment in the show about addressing why there was such a diversity in the show was because of her, because the King married Mm her. And I thought, okay, well, okay. I could have gone this whole time without like, I didn't think that was necessary. Like we could have just had a diverse cast without the explanation. I would would agree. I mean, because to me, it it didn't make like, it was almost like they were trying to make a historical point. But at the same time, that wasn't a historical point to me. Also, I want to know if that King really did have, was it dementia or Alzheimer's? Now I want to know, was that historically accurate? I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure that's definitely how they were portraying it to be. Um, but in terms of like her role in the show, I do agree. You're right. They did make a nod to the fact that she was really the reason why we suddenly had this layer of black royals or sorry, black society and nobles and um, how they were really able to diversify, you know, the ton. But I mean, we're, we're, we were born in the 80s. We're like 90s kids. And we grew up with Cinderella, with Brandy and Whitney Houston and just mm-hmm. this hugely diverse cast. And I didn't sit there as a little mixed girl like, oh, my God, like, why are all these people here? This doesn't make sense. I sat there as a woman of color and was like, this is awesome. This is awesome. And it doesn't need any explanation. It just is what it is. And for me, watching Bridgerton, I don't know that they needed an explanation. I appreciate that they're trying to have that conversation. I think these conversations are very important about representation and making sure there is diversity and just showing people that the world is just bigger than this small little view that we have in our everyday lives. But I don't know that I personally needed an explanation. I was fine with it. I was here for all of the color. I was here for all of the intrigue, all of the drama. I, I don't know that I needed like this whole other explanation of why. I was fine with it. I was like, this is how it should have been. Let's do it. Yeah, I agree. I really loved all the diversity, the Asian, the Indian, everybody who pulled in. I'm like here for it. I'm even here for the casting of next season because Kate's Indian descent, I believe. I love it. I am so here. I love it. I loved her in Sex Education, which Mm -hmm. is another Netflix show. So good. But loved her in that show. show, And I'm so excited to see her in this because I think it's going to be a little bit of a switch for her in terms of like the characters she's oh, playing, yeah. but I think she's going to nail it. I'm so excited. Yeah. I really, I just, to me, when I think of the books, like I think of other storylines that I wish they would have put in my biggest issue, the Smith Smythe. Ugh. 
Guys. And uh, this this was the biggest rage for Kat and I. I, I want to say we were probably on the phone for a good 45 minutes just talking about the Smythe Smiths, Smith Smiths, however you want to say it. Why were they not in this show? We eliminated one of my favorite storylines. And if I'm not mistaken, they also intermarry with the Bridgertons at some point in the 800 children getting I think married it's Gregory. off. So where are they going to come from? I think he's like way down. It might be Gregory. It's one of the ones way down mm-hmm. on the end. Yeah. But how are we just going to randomly pull in the Featheringtons? I mean, the Featheringtons, the Featheringtons are there. How are we randomly just going to pull in the Smith Smiths? Like, where are these characters going to come from? Where's the musicale? Like, that was just such a big part of the show. And I, I'm so I'm so sad that they weren't there. If you wanted a spinoff, that's the spinoff that should have happened. They have a spinoff like whole series. They have exactly. it. They have it. And you know what makes me like really upset is in the first book. Um, oh my god, I'm totally blanking on the lady's name, the old crotchety lady, who's my ba- who's my who's my favorite. Danbury? Danbury. Danbury. Lady Danbury. Thank you. Yeah, I, to- I totally blanked. So, she's yeah. the real queen. Yeah. I Let's mean, she was, that's who she was in the book. Like, she was like the whole matriarch of the whole thing. Like, I know um, Bridgerton's mom was their matriarch, but Danbury was basically really the puppet master pulling the strings for everybody. And even her, her grandson gets married into the Bridgerton mm-hmm. family long down the road into the one of YZX's numbers, names, mm-hmm. whatever. So here's what I kind of like made me really disappointed is at the musicale, Dan Barry sits there and she opens up about her life as being one of the, one of the girls that didn't get noticed. And you saw like a little glimpse, a little layer of mm-hmm. her, a little character development and it kind of just, they dropped that. Like they got rid of them. And not only were the Smith Smites musicale, like the whole comedic relief of the whole book, it was hilarious. They got rid of that little, little gem of Danbury. And that's what really disappointed me the most. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I know they tried to, you know, replace it a little bit further on when, they were kind of merging some more storylines and they were trying to show how she was involved with Simon early on, which she wasn't in the books. It was a nursemaid. It wasn't Lady Danbury as much as it should have been. But Mm -hmm. I also feel like if Lady Danbury had existed earlier on with Simon, a lot of that stuff would not have went down. She would have just taken him out of his house Mm -hmm. and it would have just been her and him. Like that wouldn't have even happened. So, um, but I mean, I agree. I mean, she, she had some moments in the show where she was still kind of showing why she had to be so strong, but it, it just wasn't the, quite the same. It just didn't have the same effect. I agree. I think that was a really, a really good moment that they took out. Yeah. I was really, I was really bummed about that because I remember reading that line in the books and being like, Oh, okay. Like there is more to you than just being a lady who stomps on people's feet with canes, which Absolutely. I'm here for, as well. for To be completely like, honest, Danbury was Maggie Smith. Like that was who it was oh. in my head, who it's always been. But, I'm not mad at this casting. I am here for it. She did a fierce, wonderful job. Totally fine with it. But that was the character in my head as I'm reading. So just having that one moment of humanity, it was the same as when she played McGonagall, you know, when you're reading the Harry Potter books and, you know, one of my favorite scenes that didn't make it into the movies, she's like chasing down the castle with like a herd of deaths just stampeding towards Death Eaters. Like, I don't know, just those little moments made McGonagall so real for me. And 
that was the same thing for me. Exactly that line. It just made her a human, not just this, yeah. you know, wall of... It just really... I don't know. Pr- propriety and society. and. So let's talk about Marina Thompson, the Featherington's cousin, now in the show in the books it's mm-hmm. Elo- it's the bridgerton's cousin and she's like in it for like two lines and not even her just like a mm-hmm. mention of her so they've constructed this whole new character for her i really didn't even give a crap about her and her season and her whatever and you know i, di- I didn't care i didn't care because i knew eventually it's not that big of a deal and for some reason they tied in that's Eloise's storyline mm-hmm. all the way in one. What? Like, what? Yeah, I mean, that really threw me. I think after realizing the Smith Smiths were in no way going to show up in this storyline, that was definitely one of the secondary points where I was like, what is happening? And I remember, again, that discussion you and I had where we're trying to unravel everything. I can definitely say it was very difficult to watch this show as a fan of the Bridgerton novels, just because you're not able to enjoy it in the same way as somebody who has no idea what's happening, because you're trying to figure out how they're pulling everything Mm -hmm. in and where they're going. Like my brain was racing the entire time, minus a few episodes, which we all know which episodes those were. I think my brain stopped for those. Uh, but <laughs> the latter scene stopped. All of it. Oh my god. But other than that, my brain is just racing mm-hmm. as I'm trying to figure out why are we here? How did we end up here? Why are we here already? Marina, where did you come from? You were like you said, you were literally two lines, like three books down the way. So I think that is one of the things that made it harder for me to enjoy it. I definitely enjoyed the the show. Don't get me wrong. We we definitely enjoyed it. It was beautifully done. Um, but it was just, I was thinking the entire time because I'm just trying to pull everything together in my head. So I'm not really sure where they're going with this. I mean, they're pulling in Eloise's story very, very early. Mm-hmm. So we know that they did quite a few things. They moved up quite a few storylines. So I'm not entirely sure. I don't know if Season two is going to focus not only on Anthony and Kate, but also Eloise. I'm not really sure where they're going with this. I don't know how many other storylines they're going to pull up, but it was really hard to watch in some of those moments and try and figure out. I just couldn't get my brain to stop. I remember reading when I, because I reread um, the first one to make sure I wasn't going crazy. And really, they set up no one's story in the Duke and I in the first book, which I get in the show, you needed to set up like somebody's to keep people watching. And again, I'm also, I love the show. I thought they did a great job. I mean, there's a ton I love about the show. I'm going back to the latter scene, probably my favorite thing, you know, (laughs) I'm all for it. Um, But Marina, I thought was, I didn't even remember Marina in the books. That's how little she was in it. I had to Google and I was like, who is this chick? And then I was like, oh my God, she's all the way in book six Mm -hmm. with Eloise. She's in for like three lines and it, it's not even uh, the Featherington's cousin. It's Eloise's. It's a Bridgerton cousin. Oh, okay. That's how we're doing this. All right. I, I just didn't think it was pointless. Benedict's whole thing, I'm really loving. Benedict, I did love. Colin, obviously love Colin. But I I'm like, Colin. where are we going with Benedict too? Like, what what are we doing with him? 
that is a whole new storyline for Benedict. You're completely right. I I definitely glossed over that, but that is definitely a huge departure. Yeah, and I mean, we were talking about diversity at the the top of the hour, and I think that obviously includes you know sexual identity, mm-hmm. gender expression, all of the above. We're here for it all on this podcast. You know, Benedict, you know, going a completely different direction than the show is just going to continue to show the inclusion in these characters and just how many different types of love there are. So I did enjoy his book um, in the original series, which we can definitely get into because I'm sure we'll get to his season. Um, Mm -hmm. I know it's been renewed for, I want to say, at least four. So Mm -hmm. we'll definitely get to the we'll definitely get to the older kids. So I don't know if he's just going to be, you know, kind of towing the line of bisexuality. I don't know if they're going to like, I'm not sure where they're going, but I'm here for it. It's basically what I'm saying. Here for it. Well, I actually, Benedict's book was kind of like, ma, ma, ma to me. Like, I was just like, eh, I didn't like his, I didn't like the chick. Not that I disliked her, but I didn't, I didn't f- care. She's like, not I, Kate. She's yeah. Not, it's not book I two, loved which Kate. Love to death. Love Penelope. You know, like I loved both of them. And then I can't even remember her name. Girl in the middle. I don't really care. So if he comes out as bisexual or whatever the case is, I, I'm here for that storyline. Like, and we, uh, we both know Shonda's going to make it great. Like she's going to take that. People do it so well. But I think the biggest issue I had with it was at the end, maybe not the biggest issue, but I was kind of like a little disappointed. And again, I'm going back that I did not hate the series. This is a podcast about rages and these are our rages. (laughs) Why did they reveal Lady Whistledown so damn early? I really am not sure because... In the book series, that reveal doesn't happen until I want to say the fourth book when mm-hmm. we're talking about, uh, sorry, spoiler, Colin and Penelope Featherington um, and their whole love story. So I'm not really sure why we're addressing it so early. Again, it's it's one of those moments when my brain just exploded and I was like, what are we, what are we doing? Why are we here already? And also, it's kind of not fair because... For anybody who read the books, we had to wait four Mm -hmm. books with all these red herrings being thrown in about who it could possibly be. And they were all logical. A lot of them could have totally been it. So the fact that the audience and people who hadn't read the series got it so quickly in like eight episodes, boo. (laughs) Yeah, I, you know, I think about it and I'm like, did they not think the show was going to be as big as it was supposed to be because they just let that big gem out and they wanted to hook everybody? I was like, but they they had to have known they had a gold mine on their hands. I mean, they did phenomenal with the casting, the scenes, the writing. Come on. I burn for you. Stop. Mm-hmm. Stop. I will literally throw myself at a man who says, I will burn for you. I'll be like, all right, let's go. Uh-oh. I'm not going to lie. I instantly go back to that Usher song. (laughs) And I just remember being, I think I was like in high school when it came out. And I just remember a DJ being like, is he still burning? Like, is he okay? Like, and so unfortunately that experience kind of made me not take that line as seriously as I could have, but it was beautiful. Anything that comes out of Simon's mouth, like we're here for but that's really what was in my brain is, wow, wow, maybe you guys should get that looked at. You probably shouldn't be burning for another person. But, you know, that's a whole that's a whole other podcast. So I mean, it was the 1800s in London. They didn't they didn't have a lot back then. Yeah. Yeah. 
There was a lot happening back then. But Oh, Simon. <laughs> I mean, I just, you know, and I like that the writing, I like that they kept it accurate to the book, like with the historical way about it. They didn't like change it mm-hmm. to modern day. I mean, the the music, like the nods when you're playing bad guy, but it's, you know, mm-hmm. in a Regency era. I mean, I loved it. It was so fun because you're jamming and you're like, why do I know this song? And then you realize what they're pulling in and when they're pulling it in. And I loved it. Yeah. I mean, truly, Shonda, anything that you put in Shonda's hands, I am going to be okay with. Of course, we're going to have issues because, you know, we read the books. We love the books. I'm really nervous for season two because we that is my favorite book. I remember Dang. reading it. Kat and I were in Paris in, like two years ago when I was reading it, recovering from massive food poisoning that's a whole other story but i just remember laying in this bed near death in paris and just cackling through book two and it's just it's absolutely my favorite um but i mean the big a big part of book two obviously is anthony and anthony bridgerton i'm sorry but they made him into a total douchebag in Mm -hmm. this first season i don't know how you go from douchebag to you know main character that we're all going to be in love with i understand that can happen i mean i'm obsessed with the darkling and shadow and bone i don't know why but he just doesn't have anthony doesn't have that same vibe he's not like ooh, fun like slightly dark brooding whatever he's like actually a douchebag so but he's not that way in the in the series like he has a lot on his shoulders but he's not that way no in the in the books I was more you know like okay Simon and Anthony are BFF I didn't get that in the show like I got that they were like classmates and they were cool and then whatever but like in the books I got that they were best friends and I loved that and that's what Anthony needed in the show Anthony was really annoying and I have two older brothers and they're annoying but like not that bad like he just thought everything he did was a thousand percent right in the books. Like Anthony is very flawed and he knows it, but because he's so stressed with everything and keeping the family together and everything going, you know, everybody understands it and he gives himself grace and he works through it. So you do like him in the books In the show. No, he's just an entitled douchebag who gets on my nerves and agreed. I'm not really sure what happened. He also never talked to Violet to, you know, Lady Bridgerton in the books the way he did in the show. In the show, one of my biggest issues with Anthony is that he was extremely pompous. And I get it. You know, maybe that was them trying to show the typical male of that time, just super pompous. Obviously, he has this huge title. Um, you know, he's like a big swinging dick, <laughs> in other words. But, yeah. you know, it was just the way he was interacting with Daphne, the way he was interacting with his mother. Like, he was the man of the of the family. He was the head of the household. He knew the best, and his word was law. And I get that that was definitely a mindset of a lot of the ton of society males at that time. But in the books, it was never, it was never that way. It was a lot of him trying to work through, you know, the death of his father, having mm-hmm. to take like the lead of his household so early but also he was like a he had a good partnership with his mother and he respected me so i don't know if that's going to be part of his arc in season two because kate at least the kate in the bridgerton series is not going to take that shit from him no no and i remember that daphne and anthony were they're like what like 
four seconds apart or something, three seconds apart, whatever. Um, they're very close because they're both the eldest. Like she's the eldest female, he's the eldest male, and they're very close. And she's very close with all of her brothers. But I always felt like there was like something special between them. And in the books, you're right. With the mom, I mean, I don't think anybody ever raised their voice at the mom ever in any of the books at any time. Um, Cause they all respect what she did. She had eight children. And then I believe she had Hyacinth after the dad died. And so they all love their mother. They worship their mother in the books. He's like going head to head with her. And I'm like, dude, like you're already screwing over this opera chick, mm-hmm. you know, man, like y- you got to have some kind of redemption and we know it could happen. Look at Jamie Lannister. He had a full redemption arc before he shit the bed in season eight, which is a whole different topic. Ugh. But I just don't know how they're going to do it in such a quick time because they have to introduce Kate, get rid of the opera chick. I'm sure she's popping back in there. Mm-hmm. You oh, know? absolutely. And then they took out like um, for season two, they're not going to have Simon, which I mean, gets rid of. I know it's your favorite part in book two. It really is. <laughs> like it really is. I'm so sad. And, and listen, in January, you know they they announced that we were going to have a second season. Everybody was so hype, and then we found out that Simon was not going to be returning. And again, as someone who has read the book, I understand how you can continue the series and not necessarily have to have Simon in it. It's not going to ruin anything necessarily. But some of the best scenes in the second book and even in the extended series are Mm -hmm. when they kind of flash back to Daphne and Simon. Because to be honest, Daphne is not my favorite character. She really kind of annoys me. I do do enjoy Simon, but I really enjoy the whole Bridgerton, Paul Mall, Mallet of Death scene. And that happens in book two. And I need the Mallet of Death scene to happen. And if it doesn't happen, I will riot. But as we all know, the most important character in book two uh, is Newton, the overweight corgi. And if he doesn't happen, Kat and I are riding a dawn. We will ride a dawn. We will let everybody know where to meet us with the pitchforks and the flames and whatever it is villagers had when they were riding around at that time. But it's happening. Shonda, I'm going on all your social media and I'm going to be pissed if there's no corgi named Newton. I will give you my corgi. It's going to be really <laughs> If you need a corgi, you can have mine. <laughs> he will do I fantastic. Can't say, I can't say his name because every time I talk to Kat's corgi or about him, my five-month-old Frenchie knows that I am talking about another puppy and she attacks me. So we won't mm-hmm. talk about it, but he is very cute. He would be perfect here for it otherwise grab one of the queen's corgis like let's get let's get her majesty in here i mean she has so many i mean it's perfect it's perfect casting i mean just go ask for one of the royal corgis like she has like six to eight i believe and they're all pretty fat which i'm i love um exactly you know they're spoiled and fat and ready to go so those are our basic needs you know it's it's not a lot it's the do the ballad of death correctly because again it's such a good scene and we need newton if as long as you have those two things i'm fine with it i'm fine with it we're gonna make it work yeah i'm ready for it i'm ready for season two i wish it would come out like yesterday i'm really excited for kate because she was probably I think she was maybe my favorite character through the whole series. I agree. Also because she has a corgi. Also because her name is Catherine. Because same. Um, 
also Catherine with a Corgi myself. I think she's got a great head on her shoulders. She's got it together. I don't find her annoying like I do a lot of other people. You know, that's another thing real quick before we finish this up. Eloise, she kind of annoyed me and I loved her in the series. But in the book, in the the show, she kind of got on my nerves. Yeah. And I I mean, it's hard. Oh my God. Her hair was so bad. Oh, so I don't know why they did that. I think she got better towards the end of the series. I think in the I think the whole thing with Eloise in, in season one of the Bridgerton show was she was kind of in that weird in between of like moving into adulthood, you know, becoming more of like an actual, I mean, whatever an actual adult is. I'm saying that in all the air quotes because I don't even know what that is at this point. But I think she was really trying to figure out you know, that weird leap between being, you know, like Mm -hmm. a teenager, being an adult and like understanding that other people's relationships are not always your business. Even though we're sitting here all up in everybody's relationships, that's something you have to learn as you're you're growing up. You learn that your parents' relationship is truly not of your business. You don't Mm -hmm. need to be all up in it. Like let them sort it out, you know, things like that. And I think that's really what she was struggling with throughout it, which is growing up. So I definitely hope we'll see a really good character arc for her in the next season. Because I agree. I I always really liked Eloise. Kate was always by far my favorite. She went toe-to-toe with Anthony. She was not taking any of his crap. And that is what we need in this show. Because Daphne is just a little... She's a, a little weak for me. Um, I think, you know, I think they did great in terms of casting her. I think she's she was played well, but she's just not my favorite character. Kate, I'm here for her. I need her to be that. And I I really think that they're going to take her the way we need her to be. Yeah, I agree. I'm excited for season two. I'm ready. I'm ready to see where they're doing with her. I'm really excited to see what's going on with Colin because I really liked how Colin, Colin's casting, Colin's everything. I thought he hit it dead on. Benedict, I'm so curious as to where we're going with that. So I'm, I'm ready for season two as long as there's Newton. Because if there's no Newton. We write a dog, yes, as we said. Yes. Shonda, you're Absolutely. getting a call. And also, I hope in season two, I mean, I know we had a lot of Penelope Featherington, but I feel as though we got very sidetracked with this whole Marina Ugh. situation that, yeah. again, didn't need to happen. So I'm hoping we get more Penelope Featherington time. I'm hoping we see her and Colin's relationship really start to evolve because – I, I I just love them. I I love both of those Me characters, too. and honestly, the casting for Penelope also completely perfect. Um, could not have picked her better. I love. So, her. I'm just so excited. I'm honestly just excited to see more all the way around. I really do. I can't say I have any complaints on the casting. I thought they did phenomenal. I have no complaints really on the acting and the writing. I mean, wow, beautiful. It's just the book to show, I was like, oh, we're, we're leaving out some really great things and adding some things that I don't think we need. And then they're spinning off for the mom, doing a whole spinoff on the mom. And I was really disappointed because I remember Julia Quinn, the author said, somebody had asked her that question, like, hey, are you doing a spinoff on the mom? And she said, no, she was like, their story has been told. It's been done. It's settled. We're not doing anything with that. But somehow they picked it up in a spinoff, which okay, we can't have the Smith Smites, but we can have her backstory again. I'm mad. I'm raging. Uh, I mean, yeah, you had a, a whole spinoff, but 
we can go in circles around this for hours and hours because we have and we do and we probably will continue to do so um (laughs) again it's shonda we'll see what she does uh we'll see where this all goes i'm very excited for the next season either way any parting thoughts anything else i think you all know are key demands for the next season yeah i don't have any more parting thoughts i just want to reiterate that as hardcore book lovers i totally blanked on what i was gonna say i'm not even gonna lie (laughs) (laughs) my brain totally shut off (laughs) hardcore book lovers please like you know you know the pain when you're reading a book and then you watch it on show you get so amped so pumped and then you get let down and you're sitting here like wait what just happened this isn't in the book none of this I mean, and then sometimes they hit it out of the park. And I do think they did ph- phenomenal in the series. There was just some things that could have been better. I'm going to say that I do feel, again, uh, like you just said, they did a great job. But I do feel like this one was written more for new Netflix viewers than it was for those who may have read it previously. I ju- it just I, That's just kind of the way I see it, as it was – as someone who hadn't ever read it, I think our friends, let me try the sentence again. Our friends who hadn't read this book and watched the Netflix show absolutely loved it. No questions about it. No qualms. We're able to just get swept away in the magic. For those of us who read it, it just wasn't as easy. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to have to do a second a second watch through, probably without John, because all he was talking about was why Simon's dick was out again and again. <laughs> Every time he looked at the screen, it was like, there we go again, dick out, dick out. So probably without John this time, maybe it'll be far, than, far enough along that I can just enjoy it. But I, I do feel like it was written a little bit more for, you know, new viewers. But at, at any rate, I'm happy it happened. They did such a good job with our characters, and I do call them our characters because I love them so much. They are. Um, so I'm I'm pleased with it, but obviously, you know, you you've heard our struggles with it. Yeah. If you guys have any thoughts, how do you feel? Do you feel like it was written more for people who hadn't read the books? As as someone who read the series, did you feel like it hit everything on the head? We definitely want to hear from you. Feel free to DM us at Page Rage Podcast on Insta, or you can always email us at hello at pageragepodcast.com. Want you to rage with us, so let us know your thoughts. Okay, so shifting away from Bridgerton, we have to get into what we like to call our pop culture rage of the week. So for those of you who watch Handmaid's Tale, we actually just finished up season four um, this past week. It was It definitely went in a direction I personally was not expecting. Kat has not finished the series, and I'll give all of you time to finish it as well. So what we'll discuss will only be up to about episode three, so you definitely have some time before we drop all the spoilers. Um, but at any rate, Janine, Janine, why? Why does Handmaid's Tale feel like Janine has to just be stomped on in every possible way like just leave this poor beautiful soul alone just let her be and you don't even have to have watched the newest season to know that janine has been that's true you're right breaker every time every time we need that guy that was screaming to leave britney alone you remember that yeah like 10 yes. 15 years ago i don't even know what it I wonder was where when he's he at now the crying video i don't know he popped up on some documentary i i don't know at any rate 
we need him. Like, just leave Janine alone, authors, like, screenwriters, whoever it is. Just, like, give the girl some breathing room, okay? And that's as somebody who also finished the show. Give this girl some breathing room. Now, also, as somebody who finished the show, or sorry, the series, well, not the series, the season, there we go, that's the word, I actually do now understand why some things happened to Janine in the way that they did, but my God, can we just, for like a couple episodes, can she just chill and have a drink, put her feet up, just like live her little merry life? I know it's Handmaid's Tale, but like, come on. Yeah, I keep reminding myself of Janine in season one. And then what happened to her? And I'm like, did did the punishment fit the crime? No, no, it never has. And then somewhere along the lines, her brain snaps and she becomes like a child and everybody's taking care of her. And yet somehow she still keeps getting the shit kicked out of her. And I feel awful. And I just want them to just like give her a break. Even Aunt Lydia gave her a break. Like she became Aunt Lydia's favorite because she just lost it. And she became such a child. I really think they should just like, you know, get her, get her to Canada or wherever we're going, like wherever the safe place is, put her there, put her there and leave her there with some friends, like animals, a dog. I don't really care. Something that makes her feel better. And I mean, but at the, at the end of the day, props to Janine for sticking it through day after day, one foot at it, you know, one foot in front of the other. One eye. I mean, one eye, (laughs) literally one eye. And she keeps trucking on through. So I mean, if if anybody is showing strength in the show, it's definitely Janine. She may not even be aware of of it or what she's doing. But props to her. She definitely deserves better than what she's getting. I need everybody to get out of Gilead already. We're we're over it. I'm I'm tired of Gilead. Like somebody please God, be done with this. But yeah, anyway, same. She definitely doesn't get enough credit. I was like, listen, red leader, I'm all for. I'm here for Janine. I'm team Janine over pretty much everybody. I'm pretty much team Janine right now. And I'm only on episode <laughs> I'm only on episode 3, but like June, you're cool. I love you. You're you're leading the revolution, but like Janine, that's my girl. I'm trying to help her out. This season though, with June and her close-ups, like her I mean, we are in her face. Like pretty much every episode, I would say we spend at least 10 minutes just close up, all up in June's face. <laughs> all up in it. You know when she's about to do something crazy at this point. Like I know her facial expressions, I think better than I know my own. I'm like, mm she's about to kill somebody. Very, do you remember, you remember a scary not. movie way back in the day when they did the Blair Witch Project? Like Exactly. <laughs> and it was that like the <laughs> I'm so scared. And it was like so close. You saw her like snot come out. That's what that is me the of. vibes I'm getting. And that's nothing against Elizabeth Moss. She's a great actress. Oh, phenomenal. I, I have no issues with her. I mean, at all, but it's just, wow. Wow. We'll definitely touch more on this once Kat has finished and we'll make sure you guys know. So there's no spoilers, but that's the, uh, that's the end rant here is free Janine. Free Janine. <laughs> We're gonna find that guy and we're gonna we're gonna have him on the show so he can he can recreate that for her. Seriously, I really want to know what he's been doing. I don't know, but maybe we'll find out for the next show. Yeah, I'm here for it. At any rate, this has been Page Rage. Thank you for raging with us as we went through Bridgerton. I'm really hoping Simon is not still burning, but we'll definitely catch you next time. <laughs> <laughs>